and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Hello, and welcome to the Literacy Teacher's Life podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus. This is episode two, and today I'll be spending time introducing myself and sharing a few of my teaching experiences so that you get to know a little bit more about me, who I am, and the teaching that I've done. It's so important to learn about the students who are in your classroom. One crucial lesson that I have learned is that trusting relationships are necessary for students to learn and for teachers to teach effectively. Without trust, teachers and students are less likely to take on new challenges in teaching and learning. So at the beginning of the school year, it's really essential to spend time learning about the students in your classroom And it's also important for the students to learn a little bit about you as the teacher. I would also say it's important for the parents to get to know a little bit about who you are as the teacher as well. So each semester, my students and I spend some time discussing the importance of not skipping over the getting to know you or the all about lessons and jumping right into the content, which can be very tempting to do. Instead, you have to spend some time building these trusting relationships because it doesn't happen in only one lesson or in 45 minutes. It takes time, but it should happen right away. It should start beginning right away at the beginning of the school year. As a teacher, of course, you want to learn about the students who are in your classroom, their interests, their backgrounds, so that you can then use that information to help connect their prior knowledge and their interests to the curriculum. But you're also spending a considerable amount of time with these children and want to know who they are as individuals. It's also necessary to take the time to introduce yourself to the students as well. I remind my students that it's really hard for kids to learn from teachers who they don't trust. So you want to share a little bit about yourself and your own interests so the students know who you are. At this year, my two daughters had their open house. And it was really nice because it was, first of all, it was the first in-person open house since the pandemic began. So there was a lot of energy. People were really excited to get into the school building and meet the teachers in person. And each of their teachers took time to introduce themselves and to share a little bit about their interests and their lives outside of school. So I had a little sliver into their teachers' lives and know a little bit about who is with my kids all day. So it's really nice to do that with parents as well. And today I'm going to do just that. I'm going to introduce myself so that you know more about me. I'm going to begin with my teaching experiences so that you know about my teaching life. So I identify very strongly as a teacher. I always wanted to teach ever since I was little. I have two younger brothers and held classes after school with them, whether they wanted to or not. And I was always the teacher. They always had to be the students. This has always been a part of what I've wanted to do. Currently, I'm an assistant professor at SUNY Old Westbury, which is a public college outside of New York City on Long Island, and this is my sixth year at Old Westbury. Since I've been there, I've taught undergraduate students, 
the literacy classes that they need in order to be certified to be elementary teachers. And when I was doing that for several years, I actually had the opportunity to take the undergrad students into a local elementary school so that they could work with and teach elementary students the literacy practices that they were learning in the classes I taught. And it was nice because I was able to observe the students teaching and give them feedback right away on their lessons. And they would also get feedback from the classroom teachers and from the elementary students as well, which was really nice. And I loved being in the classrooms and watching the undergraduate students work with the kids. There was always so much excitement and energy when they first went into the school. And the elementary students also really enjoyed being with the college students. They loved that they were in school as well. Currently at Old Old Westbury, I am running the graduate literacy program. And I'm working with students who are going back to school after they've earned their undergraduate degree, and they're working towards their master's degree and their literacy specialist certification. And I really enjoy working in this capacity with teachers who are either at the early stages of their careers or who are coming back to learn more about literacy education. And it's really nice to see how they're applying what they're learning into their teaching. So for example, a couple weeks ago, we were working on small group instruction, and they came with amazing questions on how to strengthen their small group reading instruction. And we went through ways that they could make changes and support the students. And they they went right in and gave it a try and then came back and said how it worked, either if it went well or if they still had to make changes. So it's really nice to see that, see teaching being impacted. Before I started at Old Westbury, I was a classroom teacher. I was actually born and raised in Buffalo, New York, and started my teaching career in Buffalo. I began my career teaching fourth grade, and I would describe my first year teaching as a bit of an experiment. The school district wanted to create more inclusive classrooms. So they literally tore down a wall that separated two classrooms and made it one very large classroom. And in that classroom, they put about 40 students. We had 40 students in this class. There were two general ed teachers. I was one of them. And we also had a full-time special ed teacher. The students in the class were at all different levels. There were students who were in the gifted and talented program, students who had IEPs, and students who were identified as your average fourth grader. There was always movement in the classroom, as there is with 40 students, but it was a really nice opportunity, and I think it set the foundation for my teaching for collaborating with other teachers. I had to co-plan with two other teachers, and I was able to do a lot of small group teaching because there were three of us. We were always moving the kids around and trying things out with small groups. It was really hard to teach the whole class with 40 kids. We did a lot of small group and individual teaching. At the end of the school year, the district had some budget cuts, and I unfortunately was the very last person to sign a contract. So I was the first person to be accessed from the district. I think there were about 20 of us who were accessed due to the budget. By contract, the district had to call me back with any position because they had cut my position. So I took it as an opportunity and to try something different. And I had found a position to teach child actors who were either on movie sets or on Broadway tours, Broadway national tours. So I applied for this position and 
I was placed on the Broadway National Tour of Annie. And I taught the child actors who were in this tour for a year. So this was a very different experience from what I was coming from. The kids were at all different ages and in different grade levels. It was like the little house on the prairie, one-room schoolhouse. And it was my responsibility to keep them on track with the curriculum for the state that they were living in and for the grade level that they were in. So that if they grew too much or if they decided they they didn't want to be on tour anymore, they could go right back into their classroom and they would be on track to keep going. It was a very, very interesting job. We toured around the country. We stopped in about 40 cities throughout the year. And I would teach the kids during the day, and then they would perform at night. They had to have a 12-hour gap between when they finished on stage, when the curtain went down, and when they began school. So school usually began a bit later, around 10, 10.30, because they finished at 10 or 10.30 at night. When we stopped in the different cities, I was able to take them on field trips to bring the curriculum to life. So one of my favorite memories, we were in Louisville, Kentucky, and the the local crew had suggested I take them to a glass museum there, and I could incorporate some of their science curriculum into this field trip. And it was just a really nice way to bring the curriculum to life. It was also an inter- a fun and interesting job. I was able to work with so many people, again, just like I had in the fourth grade Uh, In my fourth grade teaching position, I worked with the kids, the child actors, the adult actors, the production, the local crew, who were always so helpful and generous with ideas for where to take the kids during our time in the city. And the adult actors and the crew that we traveled with were great. One of the students wanted to create their own show. So they got involved and helped with that. So it was, again, a really nice way to, to try out the visual representation part of language arts. After my time on the Annie tour ended, I was able to return back to the district in Buffalo, but I moved up to fifth grade. And I taught fifth grade for a few years. And each year I taught fifth grade, I had so many more boys than girls in my classroom. And the majority of the boys loved sports mainly hockey. This is Buffalo. Buffalo was big hockey town. And it was during my time teaching fifth grade that I learned just how important learning about kids outside interests are in teaching literacy. And at the beginning of one of the school years, one of the students came in, one of the boys in the class came in so frustrated. He had had it with the books he was reading. And when I asked him what was wrong, he told me that there was absolutely nothing more for him to read. He had read all of the Matt Christopher books, which are books that focus on sports, and he didn't think that there were any other books out there that he would actually like reading. So he didn't want to read. There was my challenge. I had to find books with a sports focus to keep not only this student, but other students in the class motivated to read. And I I did. I found a lot of different books out there, books that focused on soccer, football, all different sports, baseball. And I took it a step further and created book reviews of the books that I found, but I made them in the form of sports cards. So I gave the book stats so the boys could learn a little bit more about the book and make a decision about which book they wanted to read. And I can put a picture of these in the show notes. And this was really successful because it kept them reading. It opened up conversations for them to talk to each other about the books, and everything was based on their interests. That's where I really started to see the power of outside interest and how it's so important for teaching literacy. So after my time teaching in Buffalo, 
I moved to New York City. And when I moved to New York City, I taught at a bilingual French English school and I went down to the primary grades, which was a bit of a jump, but it was a great experience. And the way that this school was modeled is that one day the kids learned in French and the other, the next day they would learn in English. So I had to co-plan with a French teacher and we had to make sure that our instruction aligned across both languages. One of the struggles were materials. So for instance, we wanted, if we were planning a unit, we would want to use not all, but some of the same books in English and in French. And it was very challenging to find the same title in both languages. So we learned that we had to get creative. And if we couldn't find a book in French, we would just buy two books in English and cover up the English text with the French translation. And we would do the same if there was a French book that we wanted to use that we couldn't find in English, we would do the same thing. We would translate it and I would cover it up with the English text. And this really helped us teach the same content in both languages and streamline the instruction for the students so that they were getting those skills in English and in French. And we could see how they were doing in both languages and really observe them. So it was nice. On French days, I was able to observe a little bit more and make changes to my teaching when I taught in English. After I worked at the bilingual school, I was hired by Sesame Workshop. They put on Sesame Street. And I worked on a project to create a curriculum for students in Japan to learn English through Sesame content. And this was another job where I was able to work with many different people, the production team, the education team, the research team, and also the puppeteers. And I learned how to be really clear that I came to the project with the more of an education perspective, where the others came with their own perspectives. And I had to be very clear about what point I was trying to get across. And while I was at Sesame, as we were putting this program together, I was invited to travel to Japan to work with the Japanese teachers who would be teaching the students with this curriculum. So I hadn't really worked with teachers in this capacity before. And I absolutely loved this experience. And looking back on it, I think this is really what inspired me to want to continue working with teachers. So after this project wrapped up, I decided to return to school for my doctorate in literacy. Those are a few of my teaching experiences. And outside of my teaching life, I mentioned in the first episode that I have two elementary age daughters. My older daughter is in second grade. My younger daughter is in kindergarten. And fortunately, they both enjoy reading and love reading different book series to keep the story and the characters going. Why have it end after just one story? And some of their favorites have included the Junie B. Jones series, the Mercy Watson series, which is so funny. And then that spinoff series from Mercy Watson, the Tales from Dekawu Drive, which focuses on the secondary characters from Mercy Watson. My older daughter has enjoyed the Sophie Mouse book series. And my younger daughter right now is really into the Sparkle, the Unicorn books. And they have uh, not only the original Sparkle, but then they have other books that continue the story. Both girls enjoy writing as well. They love to write stories about the things that they have done and the places where they have gone. Right now, my older daughter is writing a book about gymnastics to share some of what she has learned through a book. And I have to say they are excellent guinea pigs and let me try out a whole host of things 
with them so that I can then bring that into my own teaching. So a few other things about me outside of my teaching and my kids. I love to plan. Like many elementary teachers, I would say I'm a self-proclaimed planner. I'm very particular about the paper and the notebooks I use and also the pens. I like things color-coded, which many of my former students have said is aligns well with being an elementary teacher. And when I'm not teaching or with my kids or planning, I really enjoy taking indoor cycling classes and following that up with an iced coffee. There's just a little bit about me, and I know you'll learn more about me as this podcast continues. And just so you know a little bit about my background and my experiences and what I like doing. Next, I'm going to transition into the next segment, which today I'm going to spotlight on a few lessons that you can use to learn about your students or something you can do to learn more about your own child or to work with your own child in a more getting to know you or an all about manner. So the first thing I want to share is something called a me bag. And I've done this with kids at all different levels, including my my undergraduate and graduate students. Objects really help explain who we are as individuals, sometimes more than words in writing. At the beginning of the year or the beginning of the semester, and when I was working with, with fifth graders, I would do this a few times throughout the year as well. I would ask students to bring in a few objects from home either photographs or stuffed animals, things that they identify with. And I actually, I got this idea from one of my professors when I was in graduate school. And one year I had a student bring in a point shoe because she was really into, she had just started on point and was really into dance. Another student brought in a baseball mitt, a baseball and a trophy that he had just earned from being on a team so it just gets gives insight into who these who these kids are as individuals. And it it just sheds meaning on this kid's identity. It also helps break down assumptions. So when I was teaching graduate students, one student brought in sunglasses and we all knew that she lived in a part of Long Island near the beach. And we just figured she liked to go to the beach and like the sun. And that was not the case at all. She actually had super, super blue eyes. And she explained to us that she has to have sunglasses on her at all times. She usually carries two or three pairs because it doesn't matter what the weather is, whether it's raining, sunny, she has to wear sunglasses because the light really bothers her eyes. So it just breaks down some assumptions we might have as well. The next activity that I like to use is called My Map Book by Sarah Finelli. And I start with the book and then go into the activity. And I I read the book first to the kids. And this is a book that shows how maps can be made of so many different things. So the author includes a map of her stomach with all her favorite foods, a map of her bedroom with her bed and her toys and her books. And she even has a map of her dog. So I use this book with students of all ages to learn more about their worlds and their perspectives. So they can then create their own maps, choosing what they want to create a map of. Some kids have made a map. The student who brought in the baseball made a map of the baseball diamond, a baseball diamond. I had another student make a map of a gymnastic studio. Bedrooms are often in there a map of their family. So just to get to know who the kids are. And again, you could do this at different ages. You can use this with kindergarten students. You can also use it 
all the way up to, I would say, fifth or sixth grade, just in a different way. With, and they can add more writing in the upper grades. So there's another idea that I really like. Uh, and you can do this with your own kids. I've had my kids make maps of their favorite places in the house, and I like to see what they include. The next book I have that also goes with an activity is called The Best Part of Me by Wendy Ewald. And this is another great book to learn about the kids in the classroom. The book includes photographs, black and white photographs of children with the children's actual writing in their own handwriting to explain their favorite part of themselves. So if you use this in the classroom, you can do something similar. You could actually photograph the kids and include their writing to make a class book. And again, you learn so much about the kids and their identities from this activity. And parents, this is an interesting activity to try at home with your kids. And you may be surprised what your child likes most about him or herself and why. There's another one for you. And finally, the book Looking Like Me by Walter Dean Myers and illustrated by his son, Christopher Myers. And the opening sentence of the book can be turned into an activity. So the opening sentence is, I looked in the mirror and what did I see? It's a story about identity told through rhythm, and it includes all the different identities that make up a person, and then invites students to answer the question, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? In this book, the identities that they talk about are a daughter, a son, a brother, a sister, a writer, an artist. You could even have a dog or cat lover. So you learn about the many ideas that make up a person. And then what I've done is I've used that question at the end, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And I've brought in mirrors and had kids write about their different identities and talk a little bit about that. I've also done this with my own kids, inviting them to do the same thing. So there are just a few activities, some with books, some without books that you can use to learn a little bit more about the kids in your classroom, or you can use them with your kids at home. So I hope this was helpful. I hope you learned a little bit more about me and my experiences and got a little uh, a taste of what you can do with kids at the beginning of the school year or throughout the school year to learn some more about them. Next week, I'll be back with a former student of mine who is a literacy specialist, and she's going to talk a little bit about her role as a literacy specialist and what that involves. Have a great week. Looking forward to next time. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life. My email address is Elizabeth at the Literacy Teacher's Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.